I'm excited for what God has for us. Today is week two of Denoise. If you weren't able to join us last week, we're talking about experiencing calm in the middle of anxiety. And anxiety is just a feeling of unease or worry or uncertainty about something you know is going to happen or about something where you're like, I don't know the outcome. And last week we talked about four different voices of anxiety that speak into our life. So the first one is internally, our internal voices, what we say to ourselves, what we believe, and then what we hear. We talked last week about how sometimes the enemy will make you think that you believe something about yourself because he tends to talk in the first person. And we want to identify those voices and say, no, 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 no. I cut those out of my life. I trust what God alone says. Come on. And I love how some of you were sharing you applied that last week. Uh, The second sphere of voices is just external voices where you're having a conversation with someone and they say something to you and it triggers something inside. Maybe it's something that was unkind or maybe it was something that was completely harmless. Your internal voices grabbed onto it and now you've got anxiety from external people. Another sphere of anxiety is external completely, where you're just watching two people interact with each other, and you're like, oh, this is a little uh, intense. What's going on over there? And I know last week some of us were like, I don't know if I have any anxiety, but if you are in a room with two people who are fighting, either you have anxiety about it, or you're like one of those people who are like, oh, get me the popcorn. Just going to watch what's happening here, right? And then the fourth sphere of anxiety is other people's internal voices, because all of us have internal voices going on all the time. And so when you're talking to someone, they're talking back to you. You've got stuff going on inside. They've got stuff going on inside. And today we're just going to focus in on our internal voices. Those are the biggest ones that we can take a look at and take ownership of and trust to God. So today we're looking at our internal voices with the story of Elijah. So in this story, there's a king, his name is Ahab, and he loves to party, which is fine by itself, but it's all he does. Like he has a whole nation to take care of, and he's just partying it up. And meanwhile, his wife Jezebel, she's like, hey everybody, let's go worship Baal. And they're like, yeah, that's a great idea, let's do it. And he's just letting it all happen. And one of the things with Baal is he likes child sacrifices. So they're sacrificing their children to this false god. And then they're killing God's prophets. These are God's people. Like things are going real bad. 1 Kings 17.1 says, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So here's what happened. We have Elijah. He comes on this scene and he is speaking for God. So back in those days, not everyone could hear from God. They didn't have Jesus as a perfect sacrifice on the cross. They didn't have the Holy Spirit with them, living in them. He was talking to them externally, but he didn't live in them. And so prophets were people who heard from God and they spoke for God. And so he's like, hey, God says there's going to be a drought, and the point is to turn the people back to God and back from all of the pain and destruction they're causing on themselves. So this is in direct opposition to the god Baal, who's supposed to be the god of the weather. So Elijah's saying, our God is the one true God. He's not afraid 
of Ahab because he knows God. Elijah knows God. He's like, my God sets people free from slavery. My God created us. My God, I know what he's done in my life. And you can't convince me that he's not God. So I'm here. I speak for God. Verse 2. The word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, saying, Go from here and turn eastwards and hide yourself by the Wadi Kareth, which is east of the Jordan. And that's just a ravine. You shall drink from the Wadi, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Super fun. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the Wadi Kareth, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the Wadi. I'm like, where did the ravens get that bread, you know? Are they, like, out just visiting bakers, like, I need this for Elijah? So he probably had a lot of reasons to not go to the Kareth Ravine. Like, he's probably like, yeah, but God, I just built a house. It's inconvenient. Or I got to go home and take care of my animals or my friends. But he doesn't listen to any of those things. He's like, God said go, so I'm going to go. He listened when God spoke. When you go where God tells you, there is provision for you there. When you go where he tells you, he will provide for you. Sometimes we think, why isn't God providing for me in this situation? Maybe you're not supposed to be there. Maybe God has something else for you, and he's ready to provide for you somewhere else. Or maybe God has a new direction for you. That's what happened to Elijah, verse 7. After a while, the wadi dried up because there was no rain in the land. It's a drought. They ran out of water. Does this mean that Elijah didn't hear from God in the first place? No. God told him to go there, and still the brook dried up. You know, sometimes God brings a season to an end. Change, good or bad change, This is a source of internal anxiety for us. We don't like change. When a season ends and you're experiencing change, I want to tell you, don't throw in the towel. Don't get discouraged. Change is a part of life. I think about the 1998 song, Closing Time. Have you guys heard that song? It's like, every new beginning comes from some other beginnings. And (laughs) it's like, New things are going to start when this thing ends. But we're like, God, I just, I got comfortable with the other thing. I don't want it to end. I worked at a church for 15 years and the season had definitely ended. Things had dried up, but I just wanted to hang on to it. I wanted to stay in the ravine. So God caused some more things to dry up so I can move on to my next season. And I didn't know it at the time, but the next season was better. Sometimes we hold on to something and God has better for us. I would have never experienced it if I didn't listen to him. When you find yourself anxious about the what ifs and the worries, listen to God for your next steps. Part of denoising is removing voices that are not true and listening to one voice, God's voice. You know, we have a benefit that Elijah didn't have. We have the written word of God. And almost any question we have, almost any direction that we need for our life, God's already spoken it. And we can read his word, and then he speaks to us fresh from it as well. Like, not only is he speaking to the people and the time and the culture, but then he'll speak to you personally. I love that about him. So God speaks to Elijah again, and he says, all right, This is dried up. I want you to go to Zarephath. There's a widow there, and she's going to feed you. 
1 Kings 18.1, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year of the drought saying, go present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. The famine was severe in Samaria. So God says, Elijah, go. And Elijah goes. God doesn't ask him to do anything crazy or complicated. He's like, all right, time to go. Elijah's like, okay, let's go. Proverbs 3, 6, we looked at it last week. It says, listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. He's the one. It's not your responsibility. It's his. When you listen to him, he keeps you on track. He'll keep your foot from slipping, the Bible says. He'll direct your steps. When you're led by the spirit of God, you're in the right place at the right time. So Elijah just listens and he takes the next step. It's the same for us today when God speaks to us through his word and internally through the Holy Spirit. We just listen and we step. We just listen and we step. We listen and he's like, don't step there. And we're like, okay, okay. Have you ever done that with your kids? We have dogs and so there's a lot of dog poop in the yard. We're like, don't step there. And sometimes the kids are like, what? I can't hear you. And we're like, okay, we'll clean that up. We want to listen and step. Even if we make a mistake, you know God is faithful to clean up our messes. We're going to look at it. So Elijah goes to Ahab. He has him assemble all the people of Israel, all the prophets of Baal, all the prophets of Asherah. There's 850 prophets who hate him. And they're at Mount Carmel. And we have a picture of it for you. It's like this big mountain. So they're all there somewhere. Hundreds and thousands of people. 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah came near all the people and he said, how long will you be divided between two ways of thinking? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The people answered him not a word. So our second source of internal anxiety is indecision. Maybe you can relate to this one. Elijah is saying, if you believe God is God, then follow him. Get your thoughts in alignment with his thoughts. Let your life reflect him. Or if you're all about Baal, go ahead and sacrifice your kids to him. And we wonder why all the people are silent. They're like, that sounds bad. Sometimes we feel anxious because we live in this uncomfortable in-between place where we, yeah, we believe God, but there are other things that we're still holding on to from our past. And we're like, how much can I follow God but still please people? I just like to please people. Or how much can I hear what God says about me but maybe just compromise it a little bit and fulfill the needs of my internal voices, like my need to be right, or my need to be in control, or my need to be seen. How much can I get my needs met outside of God? Because that's what I'm used to. But these needs are meant to be fulfilled by Him. And so things feel incongruent and unstable because we don't have a firm foundation. We're trusting in God, but we're leaning into other things where God's like, no, 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 I have better for you. When you choose to trust him with everything, it takes the pressure off of you. It takes the pressure off of you to make stuff happen. It takes the pressure off of you to be in control and know what happens next. You can trust him. I think about the life of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You know, we get to celebrate him tomorrow and we have a picture of him. He is someone who lived what he believed. He listened to God and he's like, whoa, 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 our country cannot 
be like this. This is incongruent. Come on. Everyone was created equally. I'm not going to stand by and watch my kids be treated differently. And at the same time, he's like, we're going to protest, but we're going to protest peacefully because we follow God and we trust him with the outcome. And we still talk about his faith today because of the person he chose to be, to say, God is God and I follow him, even if that means taking me into unknown places, into places where there's opposition, because there is freedom there. So here's Elijah. He's got a showdown with the prophets of Baal. They bring two bulls, and they're like, all right, whoever's God makes the bull uh, catch on fire, you know, burns up the sacrifice, then that's the real God. And the people are like, yeah, that makes sense. So we got the prophets of Baal, and they get their bull, and all 850 of them are like praying to their God for six hours. And then they're cutting themselves, because that's what Baal is into. They're cutting themselves. Elijah's over here watching, like, how's that going? And he's like, hey, um, maybe your God is like on a vacation or maybe he's doing his business. Maybe you should pray louder. And they're over here like, ah, praying louder and nothing happens. And then it's Elijah's turn. You know, nothing happens when you don't pray to the real God, right? Nothing happens. Prayers hit the ceiling. All right, so Elijah's over here and he's like, all right, got the bull ready. He's like, this is too easy for God. Bring me some water. And you know it's in the middle of the drought, so it's a lot of work to get water. Bring me some water. Douse it. Bring me some water. Douse it. Bring me some water. Douse it. He does this four times until there's a trench full of water all around his sacrifice. And he simply prays a short prayer. He's like, God, you're the one true God. And God burns up the sacrifice and everything around it, even the water, instantly. And the people exclaim, the Lord is God. When Elijah called down the fire, you know the fire should have fallen on the guilty people, but the fire fell on the sacrifice. And this is a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. Come on. You know God's heart is not about pouring out fire on you. No, no, no. His heart is to show you grace because of the fire that has been poured out on his perfect sacrifice, Jesus. Come on. So at the, t- the same time the fire fell, everybody's like, God is God, and Elijah is listening for God's direction. He's listening for his next step. I mean, that's a pretty big thing to just happen. It's like, okay, I don't, I don't have a plan beyond that. You know, God just did what he did. I'm listening. Verse 41, Elijah said to Ahab, there is a sound of rushing rain. He said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. He went up and looked and said, there's nothing. Then he said, go again seven times. At the seventh time, he said, look, a little cloud, no bigger than a person's hand, is rising out of the sea. Then he said, go and say to Ahab, harness your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. So when he prayed for fire, it fell down immediately, like, but the rain, it took seven times before it fell. You know, sometimes God answers prayers immediately, but sometimes he wants us to be persistent. So there's this heavy rain, the drought's over. You know, Baal was supposed to be the weather god, so it's like fire came from heaven, and then rain came from heaven. God is the true God. And we got Jezebel, she's mad. She said she's going to kill Elijah. First Kings 19.3, then he was afraid. 
He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors. What's going on here? So he just had a showdown with 850 prophets. We didn't read the part where then he killed them all with a sword. 850 to 1. Then he goes to Jezebel, this lady, and she's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, ah! Like if I'm Elijah, I'm like, get me my sword. Come on. Who cares what she has to say? But it says, Elijah was afraid. And not just afraid, he isolated himself. And not just isolated, he wanted to die. Why is that? Ephesians 6.12 says this, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not about against ourself, our own flesh. It's against the rulers, the powers, the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. What he was dealing with was not just one little lady saying, I'm going to kill you. It was not flesh and blood. It was not just Jezebel. It was a spirit. You know, every time Elijah listened to God, he was emboldened. God said, go here. And Elijah was like, let's go. He's like, go to the Wadi Kareth. Yes. Go to the widow. Yes. Go talk to Ahab. Yes. Easy, easy, easy. But then this one lady is like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, going this way. And then he has more anxiety. He's like, I want to be isolated. And then he's like, I want to die. He keeps following this path, not God's voice. Here's what happens when you listen to the wrong voice. You have more anxiety. So he ran and he asked that he might die. And for the first time in this story, Elijah does something without God's prompting. He moves without waiting for God to tell him what to do. And God's not punishing him. But Elijah experiences the anxiety that comes from making decisions based on our own feelings. The Bible describes two kinds of life, two kinds of ways to live. It says you're either in the flesh or in the spirit. It says you can walk in the flesh, which is a little different, and you can walk in the spirit. If you don't know Jesus, you live in the flesh. When you trust in Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit, you're walking in the spirit. He lives in you. You can't walk in the spirit if you don't have the spirit in you. But when we're in the Spirit, we can also sometimes walk in our old ways. I mean, it's it's unnatural. It's like a butterfly who thinks and acts like a caterpillar. But sometimes we do that. When it comes to an area in your life where you're struggling, where you're like, I know what God says, but I want to do things my own way. And we decide to listen to our feelings just this one time and make choices just this one time. We feel more anxious, and we feel more sad and more depressed. And that's not God punishing us. That's us choosing a path that wasn't for us. It's the path of our flesh. It's the path of anxiety. It's our attempts to fill a need for God with something else. Maybe you move on a business deal, and you're excited. 
but you actually haven't heard from God. And pretty soon you're investing so much time and money. You're like, I got to make this thing work. And you're not resting in God's presence anymore. You're working to save something that God was never in to begin with. And you're stressed and you're tired and your pride is hungry to keep this thing going. And it's pulling you in a direction you don't want to go. And you're like, God, what am I doing here? God asked Elijah that same question a little bit later. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? When you're in that place and it feels so dark and discouraging and like you're all alone and the walls are closing in, you got to share the sources of your disappointments with someone else. you got to share your doubts with someone else because that will help let your anxiety out. It gives you an outlet. And, you know, when we talk to other people, even if our internal voices aren't speaking truth, you need friends around you who will speak the truth to you. You need God to speak the truth to you, to help you quiet all the noise, all those voices that aren't true. Doubt without an outlet, it generates anxiety. Just because things didn't go the way you planned or the way that you expected, Elijah, it doesn't mean that your life is over. Elijah needed someone to tell him that. So here we are. He's like, God, will you just kill me? Which is crazy if you think about it, because Elijah's the one who prayed for fire from heaven. It happened. He prayed for the drought to start and end, and it happened. He's like, I know God hears my prayers. The thing is, God didn't answer this prayer. Sometimes he doesn't answer our prayers because it's not what we need. It's our will. It's what we want. But his will for us is better. In fact, I love this. God does the opposite with Elijah. Elijah actually never dies. You'll see at the end of the story, he gets carried up to heaven in a chariot of fire. Like how creative of our God. Sometimes receiving a no from God in your prayer life is way better than getting a yes. So instead of looking to God for peace, Elijah was thinking, I can just ask him to end my life and that will get rid of the pain. You know, it's important to know that when we go through really deep valleys and really hard seasons that don't make sense, we don't want to partner with a spirit of death to find peace. We want to cling to God. The spirit of death is a liar. It says, oh, if you just were not to be here anymore, it would be easier. No, 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 no. Only God can carry the weight of your burdens. Only God can give you that rest and that peace that you're looking for. In his presence, he restores you. He loves you. He comforts you. In his presence, there is peace. I got a question for you. You can raise your hand if it's true for you. Have you ever been driving down the road and you're like going over a bridge or something and you're like, Oh my gosh, if I turn the wheel just so, like just one wrong way, I could like, I would go off into this river and die. Have you ever had that weird thought? Yeah, I was reading a study that said most of us have. You know that that's a spiritual attack? Because you know in your right mind you're not going to be like, I think I could drive off a bridge right now. Like no one sets out their day to think like that. Like that would be fun. No, no, we think that thought. And then we get rid of it because it's a lie, right? We grip the steering wheel and we're like, "Uh uh-uh, not today. But there are some times when we latch onto that thought. And maybe it's a different thought for you, but we latch onto it and we start meditating on it and we start thinking, 
there's something wrong with me. That's who I am. I'm telling you, don't think on those things. Those are not your thoughts. You have to reject them and think on the truth of what God says. You are not your thoughts. You're who God says you are. So here we go. 1 Kings 19.5. Elijah lay down under a broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, get up and eat. He looked and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So fun, the angel brought him some cake. He ate and drank, he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. And other translations say, eat because the journey is too much for you. Wait, what? God's letting me go through more than I can handle? Um, We have a whole urban legend message on that from November. You should go back and check it out. There's a few things that we can learn from this part of Elijah's story. First one is that the most spiritual thing you can do sometimes is rest and eat. That's why the Sabbath is so important, you know. God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And he asked his people to rest on a seventh day, to take a whole day to just recharge in him, to worship him, to enjoy his gifts. Jesus says, when you're burnt out, when you're weary, when you're tired, come to me and I will give you rest. You need rest. You don't need to pray more or fast more. You need to rest and eat. Another thing that we see here is that when Elijah listened to God and went where he sent him, God provided through ravens and a widow, right? You guys remember? They fed him. When he didn't listen to God, God met him in his mess. And the angel of the Lord fed him. Did he deserve that? That mercy and that grace? I mean, if I'm God, I'm like, good luck, Elijah. I mean, I didn't tell you to go there. It's not going to be fun for you. But God's not like that. He's like, I'm going to have to get involved. Elijah's struggling. That's our loving, compassionate, merciful, gracious God who cares about us. He cares about us even when we make mistakes and we step, don't step there, and we're like, okay, I'm stepping here. Even when we make mistakes, because he's already accounted for that. He knew that we would mess up, and that doesn't make us want to keep making mistakes, Man, but it makes us want to follow him, want to love him, want to trust him because he's so good. We walk by faith and in our best attempts to follow God, sometimes we'll get it wrong. We're going to think that God called us in a direction when he hasn't. Maybe you hear God say, go, and you're like, all right, I'm moving cross country. But he was actually saying, go back and apologize. We missed part of the message. Or he starts saying, if you could just, and we hear, ask that person out on a date, and we're like, yes. He was saying, if you could just wait on me so I could help you in your identity, and we get it wrong, like Elijah, we want to listen for his voice and what he has to say, and not what we want to hear. But there is grace for our mistakes. We all make mistakes. Don't be so afraid of mistakes that you never take a step of faith. For some of you, that's where you have anxiety. You're so paralyzed by needing to be perfect. You know what? Jesus was already perfect. I want to take that lie off of you. How we respond to mistakes can be a source of internal anxiety too. Our ability to grow is connected to our capacity to look at our mistakes, which I know is hard, but to look at them 
without self-condemnation and without being defensive, to not throw ourselves away or at the same time minimize our mistakes or blame others. Our mistakes can help us learn for next time to listen and let God show us the path. So we've got Elijah. He eats his delicious angel cake, angel food cake, and uh, water. (laughs) But instead of listening, then he just, he went. God didn't send him, he just went. 1 Kings 19.8, he got up, he ate and drank. He went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. That's some good food. To Horeb, the mount of God. And this is the place where God gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelites. So he went there. Uh, Verse 9, at that place he came to a cave. He spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? God knew the answer to this question. It was good for Elijah to unburden his heart. When we saw earlier, when you have doubts, it's good to talk to God about those things. He's not surprised when you doubt him. He's not disappointed in you. He's not upset. The best thing you can do with your doubt is talk to him about it. He knows what you're going through. He understands and he wants to help you. So here we go. Verse 10, he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites. Those people have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. And they are seeking my life to take it away. It's like, God, it's their fault. And I'm all by myself. Elijah knows he's not the only one left. If you read a few chapters before, he met this one guy who hid a hundred prophets in a cave. So he knew there were at least a hundred that followed God. He knew he wasn't alone. But this is what happens when we listen to the wrong internal voices. We listen to more of the noise. It just becomes easier to believe lies. We tell ourselves a narrative that's not true or helpful. It's so funny that Elijah's speaking this truth to God. He's like, God, I'm the only one. God's like, come on, we know that's not true. Isolationism is another form of internal anxiety. That's the belief that I'm the only one, that I'm alone. And it gets us stuck in self-pity. It's the lie that no one understands you and no one cares about you. And then related to this is exceptionalism. This is the belief that no one can do it like you. No one can be as good as you. No one's good enough. You have to do everything yourself. And if you struggle with either of those things, remember, you're not alone. And you don't have to be perfect Give yourself grace. Give other people grace. God sees you when you choose to be alone. He is close to you. And he calls you to step towards him. That's what he did with Elijah. 1 Kings 19, 11. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. God knew what Elijah needed. He was discouraged. He was probably depressed. He needed to experience God. He needed a personal encounter from God for himself. It wasn't enough to just know about God, to know of God. No, no, no. He needed to encounter God. When you experience him, there is nothing more powerful. A single moment in the presence of God is more powerful than a lifetime of religious rituals. One touch from the Holy Spirit is all that you need. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the lamb is Jesus. And the word of our testimony is what he's done in our lives. And when you know what he's done in your life, 
No one can tell you that he's not real. No one can tell you that he won't come through. No one can make you worry because you're like, I've seen him do it before. He'll do it again. Yesterday I was talking to somebody. Uh, it was her birthday and we were celebrating. And we were just looking back over the last year and celebrating God's faithfulness. And maybe you've done this recently since, you know, it's a brand new year. But I was just thinking about all the different places that God has taken us down a path. Some in family, some in work. For me, I was sharing this example just of how I love our prayer team. I'm so thankful for our prayer team. It's like one of the biggest teams in our church, and I'm so glad about that. I'm so thankful for the people on it. But mostly, I'm thankful to God for making it a thing. Because I look back a year ago, we didn't have a prayer team. And it wasn't like I was like, you know, by January 2023, we're going to have a prayer team, we're going to have trainings, and we're going to be baptizing people in the Holy Spirit and praying for them, and God's going to do this and that. No, I did not have some master plan. So what happened is we didn't have a prayer team. And in May, I felt like God was saying, we needed to have a song at the end of each experience. We used to do games and just other fun things, but we really need to have a song after the preach so that people can connect with their creator. I'm like, that's a good idea, God. I'll take that step. Let's do it. And then in June, at the end of the month, we're talking in our faith series waves. And I'm like, we got to pray for people. We got to pray for each other. We got to give God an opportunity to show up and show off. I'm like, let's bring back the prayer team during that one song after the preach. I'm like, okay, God, that's pretty easy. December comes around and we're talking about spiritual gifts and we're encouraging each other in our gifts and words of knowledge and wisdom and uh, miracles and healing, all kinds of things that the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. But he's not gonna move through us if we don't give him an avenue, if we don't step out in faith and say, God, use me. He's not gonna pour out his oil and fill us if there's nothing that's empty and ready for him to fill. So we started talking about spiritual gifts. And then we talked about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and how we trust in Jesus, yes, and his blood cleanses us. And he makes it possible for the Holy Spirit to not only live in us, which happens when we trust in him, but for us to have a special filling of him, an overflow of him, where we say, I surrender to you. We give him control. And he baptizes us. And we do that now. And here we go. Last week, we had our first prayer team training. It's like, okay, God, that sounds good. You know, I couldn't see the end from where I started. I just followed each little baby step that God gave me. You know, you don't have to know all the details. He does. You know, sometimes we'll make mistakes. That's okay. God is faithful. You know, we've experienced God this year in a way that we haven't yet before. And when you take, when you see him take you down a path and you look back at the beginning, it gets you excited for the next path that he's taking you on. You know, it's hard to be anxious at the start when you look back at his faithfulness and you're like, I already have victory in that area. I've seen God move in that area. I've let him lead me down a path. I've seen him guide me. And man, the way he directs my steps, it's so good. I couldn't do a better job. And then you know that God is God. 
and we are not. And it's hard to be anxious when you encounter him, when you experience our living, breathing God. You know, with Elijah, there was a great wind, but the Lord was not in the wind. And there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then there was a sound of silence. And God spoke out of the silence. Sometimes God speaks in those big ways. But a lot of the time, probably most of the time, it's these little steps. The wind, the fire, the earthquake, they're pictures of Elijah's ministry. You know how he called down fire from heaven and the rain. God wasn't in any of those things that Elijah did. He wasn't in those expressions of judgment. He was in the peaceful stillness of grace. You know, Elijah probably was looking for God in these big things. And God did all these big things. But he was also in this quiet moment. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, so now he's giving him instructions. Elijah is finally listening again. All those big things got his attention. And in the stillness, in the quiet, he's listening. The Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king. You shall anoint Jehu as king. And you shall anoint Elisha as a prophet in your place. In his depression, God gave him purpose. He said, go anoint these guys as king. And he gives them the successor. Go anoint Elisha. And then just don't sit around ruminating. Go get to work. Elijah needed a task to focus on. He needed to stop focusing on his circumstances and his internal voices. He needed to focus on God. He needed to serve other people. But pastor, didn't you say it's good to eat and rest? Absolutely. That's not what he needed in this moment. Sometimes what we actually need is more work to do, not less. We need more purpose because we're made to rule and reign, to cultivate the goodness from the earth, to work six days and rest one. We need both in our lives. When we're not in our purpose, we can't rest. We're restless. We're not satisfied. God created us for more. The Holy Spirit will prompt you when to rest and when to move. You don't have to worry about that. You don't need to overcomplicate it. You can listen and let him lead. So not only did God give Elijah work to do, he gave him a friend in Elisha. He gave him a successor. You know how Elijah was like complaining, he's the only one, he's isolated. God's like, okay, we go anoint Elisha. God heard his complaint and he met his need. And God spoke truth to the lie that he was believing about being the only one. Verse 18, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. As you denoise your life, it's not enough to just get rid of the lies. That is such a good start. And I'm so proud of you for doing that, but you've got to replace it with the truth of God. That is your firm foundation. Those are the things that you can go back to when you get discouraged, when you get depressed, when you're anxious. You got to replace it with the voice of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's like what Jesus said in Luke 11:24. He said, "When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. It says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. It goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse 
than the first. When a spirit leaves, like a spirit of fear, a spirit of suicide, a spirit of confusion, it returns with friends if the Holy Spirit isn't in the house because of Jesus. It's so good to denoise the lies, but the point of denoising them is so that you can listen to one voice, God's voice, to replace internal voices with his truth, the way, the truth, the light. Our, our flesh, we gotta replace it with the Holy Spirit. It's dead, it died with Christ. Don't go back to your old ways. Listen for his voice. He will speak to you. At the cross, the blood of Jesus, it cleansed us. It covered every place that we got off the path, every place that we sinned. You know, one of the Greek words for sin is just simply getting off the path. Every place we fell short, Jesus was the sacrifice for us so that we could have a relationship with God because God is so holy. He loves us so much. He wants us to relate to him. And because back in the Garden of Eden, we didn't trust him. And he had to get us out of the garden so we couldn't live forever and, you know, this whole thing. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit. So when he cleanses us the in, on the inside, the Holy Spirit can come live in us. And that's the part of God who is with us all the time. God is God the Father, creator of everything. God is Jesus, the Son. And God is God the Holy Spirit. There are three and one. And God wants to cleanse you with the blood of Jesus, and he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He loves relating to his kids. He loves relating to his creation. He created you to spend time with you. He created you to love you. He created you to be with you. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter. He's the teacher. He's the guide. He's the one who's going to guide you into all truth. He's the one who's going to empower you for life.